Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Manhood. This is your host, Yavitsa Djurjevic, and today I've got Mark Niesman with me. Mark, for folks who don't know who you are, uh, give the audience a 10,000-foot view. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I guess a 10,000-foot view would be an individual that is sold out to maximizing his potential and mastering success. Um, business owner, husband, father, and just community leader. And well, and you and I got connected via, you came across the podcast and reached out and I thought your story was really interesting. I know you've played um, college football and professional football. You've released a book. Uh, you've got a couple companies. Uh, I mean, let, let's take it back to, you know, young Mark, childhood, teenage years, et cetera. With you being in the position that you are in today, I, I know in your bio, you, you talk about, you know, your chief aim in life is to help men and boys maximize their potential and master success. What was really the genesis of that mission in your life? Yeah, um, I, I always contribute all of uh, my endeavors, even my successes to pain. Um, I believe that everything that I'm doing right now has everything to do with, uh, as a young man growing up in a single parent household, I was the oldest child of five. My mother was actually, uh, my mother had me at, at 18 years old. She was pregnant with me at 17, was um, kicked out of the home. Uh, and, you know, pretty much gave me a nosedive right into poverty. But uh, my by the time, uh, by the age of 23, my mother had given birth to uh, five of the six of the children total, um, ended up keeping uh, five of them. So that made me the oldest of five kids. And mm. uh, from that standpoint, um, growing up in, uh, you know, less than, less than uh, normal conditions, uh, it forces you to enter what's called... Um, parentification mode. Parentification is a, a mental health term that has to deal with um, individual um, young children taking on roles of a parent uh, beyond, mm -hmm. yeah, beyond uh, prior to a time that they should be. So my level of uh, understanding of responsibilities and leadership, I, I was nine years old taking care of my infant, my infant um, siblings. Um, I, I, no question that is what birthed it in me, seeing the absence of a father in the household and the, and the damage that it could cause living that firsthand, uh, that definitely birthed the passion. Interesting. So, so elaborate, elaborate a little bit more on parentification. I'm, I've never heard of this before. I, 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 I understand it, the concept, but I've never actually heard the term. So give a little bit of history on that. Yeah, I cut my teeth in social work, and this is where you see a lot of these instances, um, you know, time and time again. But um, essentially, you, you primarily find it in children, and what happens is these children sometimes may suffer from anxiety, but, but they're suffering from anxiety because of, the, because of their desire to make sure that their siblings are taken care of. So if you go into like a, a typical uh, foster care home, and um, let's say you have a foster care home that, uh, and there are, there's a, there are three siblings. That oldest sibling will naturally have a tendency to want to take care of the younger siblings all the way to the point of making sure that they're fed, clothed, bathed. Like these are things that parents do. But because of the separation that has happened in the household, that older child now, now takes on that burden if for nothing else to create homeostasis in the household. Interesting. So, so what are like the long-term effects of that on kids? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's definitely detrimental because um, you're, you're, you're essentially um, putting, you know, putting burden on, on a child uh, long before they, their, their, their mental brain has, uh, I'm sorry, their, their mental cognitive ability has even 
caught up to that, right? Um, mm-hmm. to, to say how that plays out, honestly, um, it's like, it varies, right? Some people it makes them, some people it breaks them. Um, yep. for, me, for me, it I used it and turned it around for <laughs> serving a greater good. Um, but you have some people who uh, they view it, you know, it's catastrophic for them. Yeah, they, it, it's basically a lifelong um, disability that holds them within a worldview that's not necessarily conducive to their own potential. So you were talking about you attribute everything in life to pain. Elaborate a little bit more on that, because I think, you know, very rarely have I had people uh, start out a podcast interview and, and go that deep into some sort of, I mean, almost philosophical concept. Why, why do you attribute everything to pain? You know, uh, most people would work like hell to avoid pain at all costs, yet you say you attribute everything to it. Yeah, and I think that that's a powerful statement. I think that you assess, I, I think you actually almost answered the question right then yourself. Your average person uh, typically is, um, psychology says, these aren't my words at all. If you study psychology, your average person will run from pain before mm-hmm. they actually pursue glory, right? Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll, they'll buy themselves out of pain before they actually buy into something that can make them a better person. And as an entrepreneur, you know, I study buyer psychology and, and something that you learn really quick is that um, individuals are uh, more prone to um, buying something that will prevent them from losing. They'll buy that before, before they buy something that will prevent them, I mean, will actually help them to gain. Mm. Right. It's a risk averse. Absolutely. Interesting. Again, when you say pain, you know, we're probably more so talking about, well, also probably physical pain because you played sports, but also probably psychological, emotional, mental, et cetera. I mean, what are some of those specific pain points? Obviously, you mentioned being the oldest of five in a poverty stricken family with a single single parent household. But what are some of those key points throughout your life where the pain was so immense that it it created this hinge moment? that pushed you in a better direction? What are some examples of that? Um, One that I talk about in the four stages of manhood directly correlates to an instance that took place. I was, uh, I was in, I was nine years old and um, long story short, an individual tried to break into our home. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I remember being terrified in that moment, but I guess that the, the person who was trying to break in was terrified as well um, because they ended up, they, they seen my, 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 figure and ran in the opposite direction uh Mm. and and i seen their figure and ran in the opposite direction (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) but when i ran in to uh speak to my mom um she was on the phone my parents are you know they're and they're kind of you know in another world and she was just laughing and joking and and here i am scared literally you know for my life and i could remember um in that moment realizing like man if that individual had gotten in here he could have ransacked this home and, yeah. and no one would have been ready for it. And that was essentially the onset outside of the fact that, you know, at this time I was obviously cooking, cleaning, um, you know, my mother worked nights and had school at night. So I had to take care of the kids at night. But, um, uh, you know, that, that, that was a real pinnacle moment for me that let me know I had to be a man. And that, that was a game changer that really shifted my, my, my perspective on life. And, um, Another one that I attribute is um, in the game of sports, um, and and this was a part of my development. I I was I was hell bent on becoming a NFL athlete and you know playing at the highest level, um, and 
you know, to, to, to something I'm not proud of is the fact that if a person hadn't achieved that, I didn't hold a high level of respect for their success. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I really didn't understand what it took to create success. And so when I speak on pain, I'm really talking about not getting what you want, which is essentially what success is, right? Getting what you want. So yep. anytime you don't get what you want, you experience a level of pain. We call it failure. Well, to me, failure isn't a bad thing. Failure is just, uh, it's, it's pain, <laughs> it's, you know, yep. but. But but it's to be learned from. It's to it's to endure and it's to grow. And and when I say pain, um, it, there's pain to be experienced either way. That you experience pain when you stay still, and you don't move, or you don't grow. And you experience pain even when you do grow. Mm-hmm. Right. So so there's pain regardless. So to say to say um to say uh, to to point out specific instances is is really just is what we call growing pains. You know is uh me me fighting to and that's why i say all the time fighting to maximize my potential and master success really came from it 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 literally comes from pain it it comes from growing it comes from making mistakes finding out what it takes to fix those mistakes and moving forward progressing Mm -hmm. it's interesting you know you you talked a lot about man there's so much to unpack here (laughs) okay oh you mentioned something that I want to make sure I touch on bef- before I forget, but you said you wanted to become a pro athlete so badly and you didn't respect people who didn't reach that, that level. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I was in, I was consumed by the world of being a pro athlete. I was consumed by um, what that, what that meant to me. Um, and that, and that had to do also with, uh, with growing up and seeing the only male models that I seen were in athletics and, yeah. And so, uh, and so naturally, I, you know, I idolized it. It wasn't, it wasn't anything short of idolization and that, and so that world consumed me and it's like anything, you know, they say, um, they say, they say, uh, what, what you focus on is what grows. Right. Yeah. And essentially that's all that I was focused on. So if you weren't in that world, <laughs> then to me, your, your success wasn't comparable yeah. in my eyes because that, 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 that arena is what consumed my mind. You know, it, there was a, a great burning desire there. And so when I did not achieve that, I went on a binge of what does it take to be successful? Mm. And that is what helped me. That's what began to help me unravel so many more of the variables that go into a, an individual actually achieving what they set out to do. Okay, well, let's unpack that. So you played college ball at UCF, right? Yes. Okay, so you play college ball at UCF. You're a quarterback, right? Yes. Okay, so you get done there. What happens then? What's the success? What's the what's the failure at that moment? Yeah. So actually, I, I think that the first level of failure was while I was at UCF. I ended up transferring to a school called Grand Valley State University. Okay. It was actually a, a powerhouse um, Division two Division two school located in Michigan. But um, I think that my first my first um, introductory to failure was the fact that I did not have uh, the opportunity to um, first play at the level that I desired to play at in college. And then secondly, from that, um, play, play uh, professionally. I, did, I didn't get the opportunity that I desired, which was obviously in the NFL. I, I bounced around a little bit in arena ball and CFL, but um, not, not to the degree that I desired to have success. 
Interesting. So your dream gets crushed of being in the NFL, or at least it gets sidestepped. And you said you then went on a binge of trying to discover what it means to be successful. So, so here's that opportunity, you know, that compound effect where you've been compounding on something all these years, and then there's a hard stop. And there's this probably this um, identity crisis at that point. Yes. So how do you work through that? Like what you know, because there's a lot of people probably listening to this that are going through some sort of identity crisis for one reason or another. How did you actually go on that bench and what did you learn from that bench and how to be successful and how did you regather an identity at that point? Yeah, good question. Um, I think that for me, uh, and this is, I mean, identity, man, you hit it on the head, but I think that the first thing that I did in failing in this area is what most people do. And I identify my identity with what it is that I do, mm -hmm. which is completely wrong. Um, and, and when that was taken away from me, I didn't know who I was. And so I had to re-ask that question. And I, and I essentially found it. <laughs> I went home and, and I tried to find my identity in being around my family. Mm. But the reality was I had changed so much because of what I'd been exposed to. I'd seen so much of the world. Football allowed me to see so many different things and connect with so many different people that I was a completely different person to many of my family members, relatives, you know, and this required them to relearn me essentially. Mm. And, and, and when I realized that I no longer fit into that dynamic the way that I once did, I couldn't find identity there either. Mm. And, and so for me, it caused me to, it, it really set me back a little bit, but my first objective was, okay, then if I've been essentially living lies, you know, to, to a degree here, where, where is truth? I found that personally in, in actually seeking God. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, that, that first term, my faith. Now, when I say, when I say seeking God, I didn't seek religion because I, I wasn't looking for that. <laughs> I would just wanted the truth, you know? Yep. And, and ultimately I, I didn't realize it at the time, but what I was really seeking was principles. Mm. A, a bedrock, a foundation. Exactly. That's where I realized that my identity was to be found. And the amazing question, I talk about this even more in the book, The Four Stages of Manhood, but ultimately where I realized that as a man, I find my identity, I find my identity in being a servant leader mm. and adding value to others and helping them to grow. I realized that at the supremacy of whatever it is that I set out to do in my life, even, even when I played quarterback, I was serving someone and I was leading someone. And now as an employer, I do the same. I serve and I lead as a husband. I serve and I lead as a father. I serve and I lead. It, it doesn't matter what front you put me on, what, what, what platform you put me on. At the supremacy of me being on that platform, I'll be serving someone and leading someone. And that was something that I, that I realized that I could ground myself in that superseded any relationship or any circumstance. Mm. I call, I call that man king today. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> I love the way. So for the audience, Mark and I were texting the other day trying to coordinate this interview. I don't remember what we said, but you ended your text with uh, rule of the day, rule of the day, king. Man, I love that. I screenshotted that and sent it to like five folks. I was like, I love this guy. This is awesome. <laughs> that pumped me up so much. Oh. Uh, <laughs> To, to piggyback on, on something, I promise I'll bring it full circle, but to piggyback on something, so talking about be, essentially being the dad in the family, how did that impact your relationship with your siblings throughout your developmental years and even to this day? 
yeah, if you uh, if you pick up the phone and if I pick up the phone and call one of my siblings right now and you know ask them ask you know you can ask the question who you know who would you say is your father in life right now they're they're gonna say the guy that handed you the phone. <laughs> <laughs> And and even if you speak to my mother, she'll tell you that I'm the family leader, you know, and that's that's a, an amazing honor uh, to, to be able to wear and have. But, you know, all all things work together for the good. You know, that that's exactly what happened in my life. Something that that could have essentially um, broken me and gave me every excuse to become a failure or, or and a lack thereof. And I, I witnessed it. I seen it. You know, I, I actually was able to use that to catapult me into a a whole new dimension that I never would have imagined I'd be living in right now. And and do you feel like, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this question. Do you feel like that you've kind of lost out on that exclusive sibling, sibling relationship because there is another layer to it with you? Yeah. Um, I say, I share that with my siblings all the time. I say, Hey man, you got to understand, you know, I'm wearing multiple hats here. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so literally sometimes when I speak to them, I say, okay, this is, this is bro talking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I say, Hey, this is, this is mentor talking right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> well, and, and the reason I really wanted to talk about that because so your brother is in the NFL. So the dream that you had, your brother plays for the Falcons. Yes. yes. And talk to me about that. So obviously you're happy for your brother you probably had a great impact on him in that manner as the older brother, as paving the way, as maybe seeing some things and preparing him for the road ahead. And maybe you helped him not reinvent the wheel. Absolutely. That, that, that helped him in certain directions, but you know, with him living his dream and in some weird regard to your dream. Yeah. How was that when yeah. that initially happened and how is that today? Yeah. Two words, mission accomplished, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, you, and you'll agree with this. We're all just microcosms, man. We're, we're compilations of a, of a bunch of other people instilling small bits of information in us over the course of time. That's all yeah. we, to, to see where I was able to take all of my knowledge and pour it into another vessel and it work proved to me, yeah, mission accomplished, you know? Like he's there, he's thriving, he's doing well. Uh, Sherrod Neesman for, for listeners um, is his name, number 41 for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so he plays safety right now, came out of FAU, Florida Atlantic University. Um, super proud of him. Um, and even to see how, and it doesn't stop there for him. He, his identity goes beyond just being an athlete. This young man um, got his degree as an engineer, which is oh, wow. unheard. And even aside from that, he serves now, he, he's an entrepreneur. So he has a, uh, a small, a little small cleaning company that he runs while he's not in Atlanta. So really proud of him, man. Really proud. That is awesome. You know, you basically had the ability to be daddy before you ever became daddy. Now, now you got kids. So how right. different is that? Um, honestly, I think that it was preparation. Uh, I, I think that me serving as a, I call it a bro daddy, <laughs> but serving as bro dad um, just helped me in, on the platform that I have now. Um, and, and, and it gives me even more of a passion for it. You know, I can, I, I, I kind of, I get off on being able to see the incremental growth, you know, the small things where, where a, a new trait is picked up or a new habit is formed, you know, um, something that I have literally instilled in him. I get, I get to see it from a more mature mind frame now, as opposed to being a, being that nine-year-old that. 10 year old, 11 year old and doing it because I had to do it as opposed to now 
being able to do it because I want to do it and readily seeing the effects of it. So, yeah, seeing that evolution in him is probably incredibly satisfying. So, t- talk to me a little bit about you know the companies you've got. You've got uh, a boys' preparatory academy. You wrote a book. You're a busy man. Talk to me a little bit about how those came to be. Yeah, um, I think that uh, when I, when I so so to your point when we were talking about you know. Um, that identity crisis, I just desired to find a place where homeostasis was, you know, was, was an everyday thing for me. Peace, if you would, right? It, it just, it, it, it existed in everything. And I couldn't find that being an employee, quite frankly. Um, and, 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 I, and I was a guy that I didn't know I was an entrepreneur until someone came and told me that that's what I was doing. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> I didn't know, but it was because I just couldn't sit in an office desk. And so I kept trying these ventures. I kept trying to do things. And ultimately what the thing, the thing that was selling me was having freedom of time. Mm, Yep. Totally get it. Yeah. You know, that's what was selling me. And it's like, but I didn't know why I wanted that though. I just, I had never been introduced to entrepreneurship. You know, I was always taught like everybody else, go to school, get a degree and get a college well, and, and, and when you get out of college you get a degree well when i got out of college it was right in the middle of a depression <laughs> there was yeah. jobs available my first job was literally working for fedex i had a college degree and i'm working for fedex loading trucks putting boxes Ooh. in the back of trucks after i just came off of being a division one athlete I, I, like you know like like i was in this world and now what welcome to <laughs> welcome to life you know <laughs> yeah 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 smack in the face um but I realized like, no, this is not what I, this is not what I want to do. And I began, it's now what I've turned into a product called the four P's of prosperity, but it, it was my ability to essentially align my purpose with my passion, serving people, generating profit. That's the four P's of prosperity. And, and, and that's what I was able to do. And it's now today turned into three companies that all serve men. Men and males, I say, uh, because it's men and boys. But um, and they and they all work together in some way, shape, or form as a conglomerate, uh, serving each other. But I have a nonprofit organization, um, AOK Male Leadership Group, which is essentially uh, who does all, does the dis- distribution of all of our uh, all of our books, any literature that we put out, and they host events. We have a We Breed Kings Gala here locally, um, and we have a Father Clouding that we do here locally. Uh, and then I have uh, AOK High Performance, and AOK High Performance is for the businessman and the entrepreneur. So what I came to realize was when it when when I, uh, my my ultimate passion is really personal development and and just reaching men, um, because I, I I I what pains me is to see uh, a man in some way shape or form not doing and being all that he can, living a living a a less than life, a subordinate life, because when he's doing that, it's not so much about him, but the family that he's leading suffers. And that pains me because of obviously what I came out of. So when I see a man that's that's performing at average just because he can, because cultural standards allow him to do it, that 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 puts a pat that puts a burn in me um, because I know that uh, I know this about leadership. Um, uh, the people that are following you can only go as high as you go. Mm. So if you fail to maximize your potential, imagine what they'll do, you know? Well, let's unpack that a little bit. All right. Men in society, you know, one of my big 
soapboxes is that specifically in not that really anybody watches sitcoms anymore because nobody watches TV. Everybody watches like Netflix and stuff. But historically speaking, like the Homer Simpson, the the uh, married with married with children, uh, Bundy or whatever his name was, the uh, the dad in every show is it's it's this like indoctrinating propaganda of the dad being like this idiot buffoon. It almost for folks who haven't developed the muscle yet to critically think everything that comes to them and and siphon through the propaganda it becomes like this expectations like oh yeah i'm just a dad i'm just blah 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 this you know people don't read books anymore i think it was 47 percent or 42 percent of people after they graduate college never read a book again there's no self-development there's no personal progress to be made through all these little different steps throughout your life to get better and better particularly amongst men it's almost this epidemic of where you know, even something like the joke, like the dad bod, like that's something to, to aspire to. Like, no, don't be a fat ass. How about that? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thank like, you. Yeah. But, but what have you noticed? Like, what, what have you noticed in these conversations with these people? And especially, you know, different communities in the, in the United States also have different issues. African-American yeah. community, Hispanic community, different white communities. They have different problems. I mean, somebody who comes from a coal mining town in West Virginia is going to have a different problem than somebody who comes from Central Florida. So a ton there and you got me over here twitching. Like, I wish you could see my body right now mm. <laughs> because you're, you're speaking right up my alley. It's what I, it's what I call the manhood gap. And I talk about this, also, I talk about this in the, in the four stages of manhood, but, um, but the manhood gap is essentially this lack of, wow, this lack of identity, right? And essentially you're sitting down in front of entertainment to detain, you're detaining yourself to be entertained right? you detaining to allow something else to enter you and, and allow you to re-identify with that. But that's not who you are. That mm. Bart Simpson is not who you are, big guy. You know, married with children, that, that guy is not who, like, that is not a okay. Love and the marriage. That, it doesn't even sound appealing. Yeah. <laughs> None of it does. None of it. It sounds terrible. It sounds miserable. And, and, and if you... Man, if your ancestors could see you sitting on a couch being a, being a sloth when they had to go out and hunt to bring food back to the village every day. Yes. Oh, yes. my gosh. The, yes. the shame that we bring upon our bloodlines is, is yes. immense. Yes. So studies show that 50% of households right now do not have a father. And of the 50% that do, 50% of those have the biological father in it. So essentially talking about 20, 25% of all households in, in a conglomerate in the United States of America, only 25% actually have the biological father in there. Hmm. Why is that pinnacle? Because it gives the youth an identity. For yeah. a male, at the core of who he is, he needs two things. He needs respect and he needs affirmation. Yep. He, he needs to be affirmed in what he is. Well, in the Western culture, we don't have an indoctrination of manhood now. If you, if you ask a bunch of guys, you got 10 guys in front of you, you ask them, what, what, is, what is manhood? You'll get 10 different answers Be because there is no indoctrination into what is. You get guys say, oh, when I, you know, when I sleep with, with my first chick or, oh, uh, when I turn 18 or when I drink my first beer or, or when I go fishing with my dad, you, you hear all types of answers as to what makes you a man, when I graduate college, when I graduate high school. No, those things don't make you a man. Those things are just 
checkpoints that come along with aging. Mm. It, it, it's a given. You 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 assimilate the, the progression of age. You 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 older with you being more mature, and that's not an equivalent. Yeah, they're they are not. In, that's a that's a false pretense. That's a lie. You see, and that is what your average individual goes through life believing and thinking. Right? They they assess citizenship with actual. Um, with, with, with actual um, manhood, like, no, you being a citizen in the United States means that you just get certain, get access to things at a certain age, but that does not assimilate that you've created the, that you've created the habits and that you are uh, actually responsible to be able to maintain those habits, right? You can get married at 18, but are you responsible? Are you ready to get married? Mm. Are you going to be able to sustain it? You can have a child, but uh, yeah, are you ready to sustain that though? You know, the, the, the perception, understanding, I mean, and again, if the man can get it, it can change the world. If the man can get it, it can change the world. On all fronts, you see where, where by far, when a man makes an initiative to grow, it affects the entire household. It's so interesting because back to the whole being indoctrinated, I'm not, I'm not going to rant. Sorry, everybody listening. I know everyone's tired. The whole concept of what it means to be a man or a term that got popularized in the last decade, being an alpha male or whatever, everything that we're indoctrinated with has taught us that the dude who's banging the most chicks, who's getting the most attention, who's, you know, got the coolest shit basically is the cool alpha male. When 150 years ago, the cool alpha male was the one that could provide for his family, provide leadership, provide stability, be the oak tree in the middle of all kinds of emotional turmoil, political turmoil, physical turmoil, whatever it may be. We live in a society that's incredibly safe relative to history. If your ass is on the Oregon Trail 140 years ago, that's a really dangerous environment to be in. You need a man in the household that's strong. Okay. If you're a a newly freed family after the emancipation of slaves in the 1860s. You need a man that's strong that can provide. If you're one of the Native American families in the Trail of Tears, you need a man that's strong and can help the family survive. The reason we've got this soft weakness amongst men is because we have no purpose. We have no meaning. And we're being indoctrinated with all this crap that gives us these little, these little carrots to run after. And none of it actually get, helps us become better human beings. And the key is being able to identify that. You have to stop for a second and say, hey, why am I being brainwashed into this? Who does it serve? It doesn't serve my family. It doesn't serve my community. It does serve the institutions who are making a ton of money off of me buying into this crap. This is uh, where you heard me make, this is why those numbers were so, I'm sorry, I'm, what, <laughs> that, 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 that's something I suffer from sometimes, um, thinking what's common to me is common knowledge to everyone, but that's why those numbers that I gave were so critical and, and why I mentioned the fact that if there is no father in the household, hopefully that father is a good man, <laughs> but hopefully he's not beating his wife, right? Yeah. Hopefully he's not hunkered, you know, but, but, but if, but that's why it's so critical for that father to be in the household, right? Because, because as a young man, you're learning so much that you can't really even comprehend. Mm -hmm. Like think about the stories that you had with your dad long after you turned 23 and you talked to him about something that happened when you were 15, 
but because you couldn't understand it at 15, you couldn't comprehend it, you couldn't digest it properly at 15, it, you had to wait until you, for seven years, eight years later to have that conversation with dad. Like, yep. no, that this tremendously affected me. I didn't know how much then, but I do now, right? Th- that, that same thing is happening so much. Well, well, what happens when that father isn't in the home? Yeah. There is nothing that I feed on. So now what do I go to? I go to social media. Mm. Get the likes. Yes. <laughs> I go to these outlets and those outlets aren't going to give me anything without it costing me something. What do you mean? What are you saying? I'm saying that if you drive down your road right now, you won't find anything telling you who you are. It'll tell you what to do with your time, your resources, your money. It will not tell you who you are. Mm-mm. Not a single banner. Well, what is that doing? Well, they're giving you something because they're trying to sell you something, but it's at a cost of something else. What's the cost? The cost, is, right? The cost, the cost is your soul, your wall, or what you're grounded in. It's costing you that because, because you're buying into something that has nothing to do with who you really are at your core. Mm. It, it goes it goes back to identity which should be a by the father that you you hear me give accolade to being a husband and a father because i know where my legacy lies mm. i know where my greatness is it, it, I, if there's an opportunity for me to replicate myself it, i don't need to leave my home to do it mm. you don't have to post a, a instagram pic to get the validation oh, not a single <laughs> yeah oh not a single it's found right here underneath my roof. That's what my greatest, imp- what, who, who else to influence other than the woman that says she's given me her life? Mm. Trusting me with her, who else? Who else to influence other than, other than the children that I've born? Who else? Like really? And how do I do that? I do that by starting first with me. No, I have to maximize my potential. I have to master my success. And, 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 and then I pray that my wife sees that in, in, and is inspired by it. And I know that if, my, that if my children see a cohesive household, a successful marriage, they'll aspire to do the same. Yeah, we are what we see. Exactly. And, and even on the flip side of that, the positive impact your wife has on you. I mean, think about, think about going your entire life without being married and the impact that the feminine has on the masculine in such a positive way. Yes. And, 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 the, I mean, you know, the, especially in our early twenties, like we're just a bunch of assholes. <laughs> well, that, that, that's what was so powerful that I had a chance to witness. I mean, I give so much attribute to my mother because I, I watched her raise five kids by herself. Yeah. Wow. And, and to now see her children are successful. <laughs> yeah. We literally came from nothing, okay? <laughs> like, and now to see what, what? Oh my goodness! Like this, this was not. This, she's a, she's a, she's a, she's a, a, a contribution to the image of a strong woman. She, mm. she shows you what it is. I, 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 my heart is broken when I hear about the Me Too movement. My heart is broken because I say, wow, those are women that are hurting without a voice, they, they, they desire to have a voice and they're hurting, but mm-hmm. they're hurting because a man didn't realize his role. Mm. He did, and he didn't, and because he didn't realize his role and he wanted to be that quote unquote alpha male. And, 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 and granted, bro, I fell subject to it as well. My numbers are high, man, when it comes to the amount of, I was, I thought that my wife would leave me when she found out how many women I had been with, yep. you know, 
it's something that I, it's something that it's crazy because, you know, if I'm talking, if I'm in the wrong circle and I can tell when I'm in the wrong circle, if they start talking about, but it's like, bro, you have no clue. You don't, you don't understand the emotional baggage that comes along with being with multiple women. Mm. You don't even want it. Trust me. You talk to a guy who did it. And I mean, my numbers are up there, man. Listen, you don't want that. Anyone who's listening to this and, and you think that your identity is found in being with multiple women, brother, you do not want it. Trust me. Because when you get with the woman that, that you ultimately desire to give your heart to, you still have those memories. Mm. And those memories take away from your ability to pour into your wife. You mm. don't want it, okay? Trust me. Get married and devote all that you have into that one woman. And that will produce much more. I'm every woman. <laughs> it's true. She is everything that you will need or find in any other woman. That one woman can be that. That one woman can be that, man. Like, don't buy into this, into this lie of being a playboy. It's a lie, man. It, it's, 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 a, it's a false pretense, and it leaves you empty. Mm. It leaves you drastically empty. Aside from, I, I'm obviously, a, I'm obviously a, a, faith, a faith-driven man. Aside from the spiritual stuff, it does like, like just, 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 you know, stand on a granular practical level. You don't want this. You don't want the stress. You don't want what it does to your mind. The amount of peace that I have now, knowing that I call my, I call, it's, this is a learned skill. I call it the head snap. It's a learned skill, man. A mm. good, a good husband knows this one, man. <laughs> it's the head snap. You, you pick your eyes up and a woman's trying to make eye contact with your head snap. <laughs> <laughs> It's that's funny, skill, bro. <laughs> well, Mark, I, I love that last uh monologue, that was awesome. Um, I think, I mean, but yeah, it, it obviously came from the heart, and you got a passion for helping folks. And um, you know, we're running up on time over here, so we got to end the episode, unfortunately. But I do always want to end it the same way. You know, I, I ask every person if we go back to 18 year old you, wide eyed, bushy tailed, you know, just excited to. Uh, go play ball, see the world, et cetera, et cetera. If there's one thing you could go back to yourself at 18, knowing all that you know now and knowing all that you know about yourself, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself at 18? Just be bent on growing, man. Mm. Never stop growing. Never stop growing. Be adamant about growing. Be adamant about learning. They did a study and they said that um, if you were in high school and you're looking around at all your classmates, who are you willing to bet your money on that for the rest of their life, you'll get 10% of their earnings? So essentially you want this person to be successful, right? Like, like who is that person? Can you track who that person is? Study show is not the athlete. Study show is not the valedictorian. Study show is not the most popular. It's not the class clown. So who is it? And each time it came back to the person who had the highest level of consciousness. Mm. Of awareness. The person that asked why most. all... Uh, yes yes bet on that person and that person is a person that's bent on growing and it's sad because that person who constantly asks why gets in trouble in school they, they become they become the, the bully child they become the they become the geek no they are setting the precedent and you can awesome awesome well hey where can uh where can folks uh contact you and where can they get a hold of your book etc here's your uh here's your opportunity for the sales pitch <laughs> I appreciate it, man. So you, I'm on social media. You can follow me. In fact, if you are a male entrepreneur, business owner, leader, um, professional in general, 
please, and you're on Facebook, please go and um, go, go and join the group High Performing Male Leaders Association. It's a group just over a thousand guys. I know that you'll get everything that you need there. Um, if you're if you're that dad, that husband, that guy that's just trying to scale growth, um, maybe you're a teacher, whatever the case, pick up the Manhood book. And you can find it. You can find that manhoodbook.com, the four stages of manhood, manhoodbook.com. You can find it there. Other than that, follow me on social media, Mark Neesman Sr., Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm there. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll have all the links in the, in the show notes. Mark, thanks for coming on. I really appreciated it. This was quite quite a pleasure. For everybody listening, as always, check out the website, mmcip.co. We got the blog up and running. We're about to have some cool posts coming in from all different folks. Episodes are getting pumped out, back on the grind. Uh, if you need to get a hold of us, feel free to hit the contact link on the website or shoot us an email at info at mmcip.co. If you got compliments, ideas, constructive criticism, keyword constructive, don't just complain. You got to offer a solution. Reach out to us. And outside of that, we'll talk to you guys soon.